excuse. Hello, this is our second episode of our Creatively Unworthy podcast. I'm Rebecca, and this is... Larry Chambers. <laughs> yeah. Hi. And today we're going to talk about... Uh, well, Larry's going to introduce the topic. We're going to talk about convergent and divergent thinking. This is a takeoff of last time we talked about Hunter Farmer. And you could, you'll see the connection as I get into it, but I've always believed that um, success leaves clues. And I found this book written by a Cambridge professor by the name of Leon Houston. He wrote this back in the 60s. And basically what he did for his PhD was he went around to all of these schools in England and he interviewed all of these kids that had passed you know the high test to get into um, Cambridge I guess it was and he wanted to find out um, just a whole series of questions about them but as he was doing all of this he found that there was another group, he called this group of people that got in, the, the kids that got in, they were mostly boys, um, you know, science, uh, you know, science thought, you know, they were good in math, good in science, like that. And then there was another group that um, couldn't pass these tests and they were, and he called them the creatives. You know, they were creative thinkers. And um, what he found is the, the his, in his study was that the, the higher the scores or the, the smarter, the the one the the kids the the kids were to get in the less creative they were and the more and the lower the scores the more creative and what he called them was um, convergent and divergent thinkers and what that means is um, convergent thinkers means converging to a single correct answer divergent is all over the place so this fits in with our 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 discussion about being ADD and dyslexic, both of us are, our discussion yeah. about hunters and farmers. I really and, like that. that oh. It reminds, yeah, no, that, that's perfect. It reminds you of what you're going to say. Yeah, I was, no, I. We have this one problem because <laughs> yeah. we're, we're not, yeah. by the way, we're not trained scientists, um, uh, uh, or psychologists, psychologists. Or anything, or... we're ADD and dyslexic we do yeah. interrupt each other okay yeah <laughs> and I don't know I'm kind of nervous but also my thoughts are all over the place and I'm trying to well good we'll get them convergently them thinking. <laughs> yeah but here's the uh, here's the here was his point my, I mean, my folks watched their podcast last time and they said that another good example would be what's it called uh for hunter farmer would be like hunter gatherer no. And I like, well, gather as in like gathering kind of yeah. mindlessly repetitive, like, uh, but that reminds me of the, I know, totally of the, the hunter farmer kind of. Yeah, hunter gatherer, see, that's what farmers do to politely say, not say farmer. But here's, we're not being polite in this because uh, I mean, we're talking really about true. farmer thinking. We're not a, really, gather thinking is still hunting. Hunters and gatherers, gatherers are hunters. But somewhere around the last ice age, what the theory is, is that the earth started to warm up. And before that, we were all hunters. Everybody had the hunter gene. We were all hunters. 
And if you were lousy hunters, you didn't feed your family, you didn't eat, you stayed back in camp. And the best hunters fed their family. Okay, suddenly the ice age melts. The earth really got, uh, it was a complete shift in our climate. And suddenly all of those, you know, the hunter gatherers that, that weren't that good at hunting, that were, that stayed back eating horse hoofs and, you know, leftovers, suddenly were growing plants. And suddenly, because they were stable, their families grew, their communities grew, their countries grew, and the, and the hunters died out. And you can almost trace that, you know, we're not going to get into the historic thing about it, but yeah. it really makes sense. No, now, that's, that's a really awesome way to say that. Like, and, I feel like last time we didn't, we talked more about how it related to us and how it relates to people today, but I don't know, that's a really good way to put that. And, and it also makes sense that um, some of us retain that hunter gene. Like there's a lot of, there's some people, some people that believe that dyslexia ADD are just a throwback to being the hunter. And what I mean by that, in a future podcast, we'll get into um, reframing all of the traits that, that are negative. And I've got a whole list of them, you know, like um, distractibility. Well, if you're a hunter, being distracted can save your life, can keep you from being eaten by a predator, you know. So we'll get into that in another podcast. But I wanted to um, explain this convergent, divergent thinking because it will start to make more sense. Anyway, this Liam went around the country and he, and he didn't just do a little testing. He did this for over a year. So he has wow. a, he had a huge, um, and I'll, I'll show you the book at another time, but a huge um, sample of, of these kids. And he, and he, so he came back and he went, you know what? I, I've got to devise a test to measure these creative kids. So he, he came up with this thing called the object creativity test. You may have heard of it, but anyway, it would be like this. How many, how many um, uses can you think of for a brick, a simple brick? So I'll ask, I'll ask you, Rebecca, how many uses can you think of for a brick? Uh, probably like a weapon, you could build with it. You can kind of, I don't know, use it to weigh down a stack of papers. And, I don't know, there's probably like lots of things you could do with a brick. Okay, probably that's... crush it up and make like sandy, heavy brick, sandy stuff. You can make cement out of things like that too. Keep going. This is yeah, great. No. no. This is what I mean, that's just off the top of my head, but no, that you're perfect because this is totally unrehearsed. Now, let me tell uh, if I was reading this, I'll read what the kids that had the highest academic scores said uses for a brick make a bookcase to build a building. To bookcase um, would be cool as a, uh, a weight for uh, papers, end okay, and then. The more creative, it would be like, um, you know, to grind up and make powder to kill somebody, to kill your teacher, to um, use it for, to start a riot, to break through the windows and start a revolution, to, you know, to, um, it was like, oh my God. Way down a suitcase so when you go to the airport, you ruin somebody's day. Like that. It was totally off the scale. And he would literally go on page after page of the, the creative types would come up with this and always the science mind had about three, maybe four. 
and that would be it. And they couldn't think of anything else, uses for a brick. They couldn't think outside, you know, the old saying, outside the box. They're in a box. And so he wrote about this, and he wrote about how the universities keep the most creative kids out because they only look at the high academic scores to get in. So you're going to find Cambridge and Princeton and Harvard. Or these are all what I call farmer thinkers, or you could, or we could say um, convergent thinkers. Yeah. He has this great explanation of convergent and divergent thinking. And it was, you converge to a single correct answer. Well, what is the SAT questionnaires, the questions yeah. to uh, get admitted to a university? They're all one correct answer. You know, even multiple I, choice is you choose yeah. one correct answer, right? And written answers are the bane of a creative person's existence because yes. there's infinite possibilities. Just the different ways you could rearrange those words. But you are the perfect I, I took it, Yeah. <laughs> I, I took an online class where the, some of the questions on the test were written answers and the computer was creating it. So if you didn't have it word for word exactly how the computer would say it, yeah. if it's uh, Stacy would go to the what blank, the mall. No, mall. Oh my God. Yeah. Mind-numbing. But well, I, you... I love that because they, they totally do gatekeep schools for, like, when you said, like, more farmer breed. I can't remember. Divergent and convergent. Or okay, divergent, convergent thinkers. Convergent, you converge to a single correct answer. And that's what that the farmer mind or the convergent mind, scientific mind, converges to a correct answer. But what about in the world today? Is there a correct answer for, you know, race? or politics, no. or schools, or Yeah, anything. it doesn't work like that in the real world. No, in the, and the real world. My, right after our podcast, um, my dad told me this really cool story where uh, up until a certain point, he was valedictorian in regular university, but when he went to medical school, it was this other guy, and he was a total <laughs> farmer brain. Top of the class, could remember everything. Like, word for word, could parakeet the entire textbook through, basically. But his first day on call in the hospital, he he said he had a great day and he checked everybody out. And my dad told me that this other guy came in and looked at all of his patients. And one of he, he asked the guy before he left, are you sure everybody's OK? And he's like, yeah, they're fine. There's a woman dead, dead. She's been lying there dead for hours. And he never thought to check her because the machines didn't go off. So, of course, she's fine. Oh and then God. the same guy keeps having he got an award for t being top medical student, like an award that you give at all the medical school, right? Like this is the best guy, the star student. He had two breakdowns and my dad had to cover his shift. And by the way, her dad is also yeah. a little bit, isn't he a little bit dyslexic or? He's, I don't know. I, he's it's all on a continuum. Brilliant. He's brilliant. He's somewhere on the spectrum. Yeah. But he's, he's totally more built for the, physical environment because he wasn't having mental breakdowns and this guy couldn't handle it he couldn't handle the he was the top of his class could remember everything from everywhere like best grades but he couldn't handle being in that environment and actually having that sort of pressure on him those mechanics like yeah. that story you told me where in the army in the war yeah that guy just freaked out he freaked out like, because he was over his brain yeah 
was overloaded with fear. I mean, the fear had literally sent him into a stupid trance yeah. where he couldn't, you know, he just like this guy. shot everybody. It's like, it's, I think how we measure intelligence and how we we think a university is wrong because there's different kinds of being intelligent. And I don't think being a parakeet and being able to mm-hmm. repeat everything like an encyclopedia is necessarily an intelligent thing if you can't use any of it at any capacity. You know? Well, this is what this is what Liam had basically said what you're saying and uh, Dr. Hudson, I should say, and he added credibility because he wrote this book, but it's an obscure book. You won't find another book like it. And why is that? Because the rest of the sciencey world is kind of They're like farmer the brain. Woman dead, you know, that walked yeah. past the, the dead body. Um, We're fine. Everybody's fine. All the patients. Now, here's what happens. Um, I wish I could quote this perfectly, but I, but I can't. The convergent thinker uses all of the processes and the steps to, to get to the correct answer. And if any of those steps aren't right, you know, it's, um, I, I forget how he said it, but it was really, I'll, I'll, I'll find the exact quote next time. It's like the road left traveled versus the taking the path that you already know, you know? And here's where, here's what happens when I call it when they need us. Usually it'll be at times like these or say in war. And there was a, a, a J.P. Um, Gilbert, who was director of psychological research back, research in 1942 to 1946. And he was the chief researcher for the U.S. Army's Air Force. And I think I told you, you know, when that World War II had started, not that I was alive, but what I heard when World War II started, you had the Luftwaffe. A conspiracy podcast could be our next thing. Yeah, and you had the Japanese who invented dogfighting, you know, and they'd been in war for six years before we even entered. And you know, we're coming with these rickety old biplanes that we had to like hurry and make new planes, and then we had to also teach pilots how to fly. Well, what the Army Air Corps found out real quickly was their best pilots were flunking out. And it wasn't because of the flying. It was the officer's test, the OCS test, which I so proudly also didn't pass or didn't get high enough grade. Congratulations. Thank you very much. That's officer's candidate school, by the way. Well, what he discovered was that when he discovered that, um, he also used the term convergent divergent. And here's where where, um, I'll give you an example of the war I was in, which was the Vietnam War. When they first started flying, flying the B-52 bombers over North Vietnam, they would fly in at the same altitude and come back on the same course. Now, why they did that was because economics. It was less fuel. They fly the same course in and out, and they were getting shot down all the time. Yeah. They, and that's called convergent flying, right, which doesn't work in war. The, the, um, the divergent thinker, the hunter thinker, um, he's never in the same place that's what's called dog fighting and so um you can't get a you can't hit that plane that's not just flying in a line right exactly well there's i don't know if you saw the movie top gun maverick you know top gun he's got a great line when the girl who's the scientist asked him you know what this is when he did this inverted loop and all this kind of stuff with against the the russian planes and she goes what were you thinking and he goes when you're up there you're not thinking you know, it's, you don't think. That's 
Oh my god, that's perfect. That's the divergent thinker. Yeah. And unless you and I are full, they're also the full hands-on learners, like uh, yeah, kids that can't sit in class and just listen and go. Yep. So this is a big topic, and guess what? Not discussed. Not discussed. It's not discussed because it doesn't have value in a convergent thinking um, uh, world. Here's an example. And the world's pretty much like 65, like 70% convergent thinkers. So why? Well, it's it's 99.9 convergent thinkers at the top. People that are running everything. An example is let's look at code for a computer. It's zeros and ones. And I'm not going to go into how you set that up, but I took a a computer science course and found out, well, I know how to do code. I don't want to do code. It's boring. It's like, remember what I gave you my definition of a farmer is somebody who can sit and pick bugs off the leaves all day long. That's code. That's a computer programmer. Zeros and ones, zeros and ones. And you you can make a whole language out of it. Um, And I get it in a second when I saw it. That's convergent thinking until something goes wrong. And I'll tell you what what, what went wrong at the year 2000. Um, you were, or what year were you born? 1996, 24. Okay, so you you yeah. don't know this, but the year 2000, we had a grave problem. When they made the computer, they had it on a clock and I mean, the, the, the clock inside the computer, which ran everything, ended up at the year 2000. And they didn't know if all of the computers would fail, they, we would lose all of this information. It was a big, big, big deal. That is then. so weird. But whoever invented it didn't think about we would go past the year 2000. It went to 1999. and then Nobody would like no- computers. Huh? And nobody would like computers in the future. And the, actually, what they did was they gathered up a group of farmers, from, mostly from India. This is how we had so many Indian scientists come to this country. They, when they were literally in every corporation in America reconfiguring the computer so they wouldn't lose their data because they they didn't know what would happen when that year when the year turned over to 2000 because it literally was like to the computer like ditto nothing. Anyway, so. Let's back to this JP um, uh, Guilford. He also came up with there's more ways to measure thinking. And he came up with, um, he he had to come up with something because they weren't graduating enough pilots, right? Well, they they came up with the uh, Warren Officer Program. And none of this stuff is like, you can check the dates and you'll find out that my dates are right when things started. But I don't have scientific evidence for all of this, you know. Yeah. But I'm just telling you what a- I found ADHD in my research. dyslexic people don't usually remember. We don't care exactly, about exactly. Yeah. But here's what I found: the greatest fighter pilot all of all time is um, if you watch the movie um, "The Right Stuff," the guy that had the right stuff. Uh, I I don't think I've watched that movie. I've seen Top Gun, but Oh, it's um. Oh, now my mind's gone blank. I'll, I'll think of his name in a second. I can see his face and everything, and he retired as a as a general in the Air Force. But 
Um, remembering in pictures, also uh, very, remembering in pictures, also very ADHD dyslexic kind of thing. Actually, I cannot please remember his name. Oh my God, I'll be, beat myself up because I can't think of it. Anyway, what had happened was, what I did was I checked the dates of when, um, when this guy, when this guy became a pilot, it's going to ruin my whole story because I can't think of his name. I took it. Oh pretend God. just general guy or whatever. This general guy. Yeah. Anyway, what what I found was he was a mechanic, and he could take apart, you know, the 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 engines on those planes in a second. Well, he became the. A, a, like a, a, a sergeant officer, which was a warrant officer, and he was able to become a, a pilot. And he ended up being a World War II ace, a Korean ace, and, and even, I guess it was, in, I don't think he made it into, into the Vietnam War, but the guy was like the best, all pilots would know his name and remember very well. Yeah. But um, Famous guy. anyway, I checked and I saw, oh yeah, he was 19 years old. He flunked the you know, the aptitude test. And so he had to become a mechanic. By the way, we're going to get outside noise. It's okay. It's not okay. It's kind of quiet. I, I don't really hear it all that much. So what we're going to do is we're going to cut away from this. Or can you pause it while I go find the guy's name? Because it's driving <laughs> me crazy. Yeah, I can pause it. You pause it. Sort of wrap it up because how the guy's Hello. name was Chuck Yeager. Uh, end of intermission, guys. Okay, go. <laughs> Chuck Yeager, Chuck Yeager. Yeah. Like he, every pilot will tell you he is the best fighter pilot of all time. He started off as a, as a, a, a sergeant, you know, fixing the engine, you know, fixing the engines and stuff like that. Yeah. But it fits in perfect with, with Gilbert's um, uh, taking over that, that, um, that unit. And then of course we got better pilot, you know, we got the right pilots because you true we're, we need farmer pilot the farmer pilots fly the commercial airlines i mean there's hunters yeah. obviously and everything but mo those are the guys that are the bread and butter the, like that then you got the guys that are outside the limit they're the chuck yeagers of the world that yeah. are like fighter pilots you know like the guys who want to steal, dog fighters kind of thing. dog fighters yeah. army rangers special forces you know the list goes on you know deep sea divers what is the one common link? See if I'm going to test you, if you can remember. The common link between all of these people that have the hunter brain. What's the common link? They're all divergent thinkers. Yes. Yeah. And I told why, you, I, open, open <laughs> answer questions are good. Okay. <laughs> There's a million answers. They need dopamine. They're dopamine deficient. Oh, yeah. We went into that. In so what would a fighter pilot get when he's, you know, going 2,000 miles an hour upside down, you know, with somebody shooting at him. You're talking about massive, massive loads of dopamine. And you have to and be able to handle that. He can handle it. He can break, like, what's his face? Or, like, the guy in the ER. Yeah. There's, um, there's stories of – there's one story of a commercial airline that was flying across the Atlantic, got into trouble – and was calling a mayday and was about to crash. And Chuck Yeager came, happened to be flying, you know, uh, his Air Force plane out there at the time or something, and told the guy how to reset this. It had never been in that plane, by the way. 
I told him how to reset everything and pull it out and literally save that plane. There's stories like that. That's how good. Oh this my god! Is. And he, he flunked. Think, he was an idiot in the the government's eyes, according to their time. Yeah, he would have but never got this cool. He'd have been a dog sergeant like I was in the army. You know, just some guy repairing planes. But thank goodness to J.P. Gilbert, who also went on to U UCLA. I guess it was UCLA or US UCLA, and wrote books about. Uh, multiple intelligence. He said there's way than one more type of intelligence. You don't always hear these things because it's people like you and I that would be motivated by it. The yeah. armor isn't going to be motivated by these conversations. They're going to think we're full yeah. of We're picking on them. We're being kind of yeah, we're picking calling on everybody yeah. farmers without context. We've been picked on our entire lives. I mean, I'm still very few days go by when I don't feel the shaming of a farmer's comment about yeah. something that I've either said or, you know, doing or whatever. We're the stupid fidgety kids that can't like keep pay attention for longer than like 15 minutes on something. And what we're going to do. So hopefully people will come back to this is the yeah. next podcast. We're going to talk about those traits and I'm going to give you a whole list of the opposite. I spent months on this to, to, to do this by the way and so i'll end with one one really cool story that happened yeah. to me. and then i also want to make a, a point too before we why don't you talk you make your point oh okay because well, this guy's running his air blower out yeah can't hear him. Uh, it, it might be kind of like a spicy topic i don't want to offend anybody but you were talking about how a lot of our scientists uh, back in the 2000s came from India and I think that's really interesting because I watched a lot of this guy's uh, podcast called Kit Boga and he well they're more like streams but he's streaming scamming the scammers and there's a lot of scam calls obviously come from India and I always thought that was a really interesting way to try to rob people of their money because you, you wouldn't think, I know, it takes a really creative person to think, I'm going to call somebody and pretend to be a prince from Nigeria mm. and, like, mm. try to get your credit card information to send you, yada, yada, yada. Like, a, a lot of people are copying it now, and I feel like the people copying it, they're obviously bad people. I'm not condoning that behavior, but I just think, have you ever thought of doing that sort of yeah, you don't have those kinds of thoughts. By the way, I could get into a whole thing about um, integrity in the farmer mindset. Not saying there's not a lot of criminal farmers, but you know, an example of a of a farmer university is Harvard. Harvard produces some of the greatest minds. Blah 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 blah. blah. It also creates some of the greatest criminal minds. Bernie May Makoff, who you know single-handedly Ponzi scheme, you know the the whole wall street you know for billions of dollars it's oh that kind God. of you know farmer thinking that can also be criminal too you know so yeah there, there's a there's probably just it but here's the thing they don't end up in jail usually bernie got caught but a lot of these criminal farmers never get caught because they are pretty smart and they figured out the system so and that's one of the things that you hear a lot of the uprising today is you know Look at all of the, look at how we've, I want to say, 
captivated, we've capped, we've, we've prison, put in prison almost a whole culture of black young, or not just young, but black men in prison and women. They're, you know, they're, they represent a higher percentage than, than, than white inmates. And it's not because they're black, it's probably because they're ADD and dyslexic. They got the hunter brain. The hunter brain also is not very good at, um, it's a very addictive brain. You know, it needs dopamine. So if you don't give, if you don't give this black child, like some creative thing to do, you know, he's going to go with the drugs, drugs. What do drugs do? Yeah. Drugs, oh. sex, creative, all create dopamine. And so does robbing a liquor store. You want to get a hit of dopamine? Go out, rob a liquor store and you will be, not that I've ever done that, of course, but you know, those kinds of things create dopamine. A farmer's not going to rob a liquor store. He's too afraid. It would create so much dopamine. The guy would stand there and drop his gun, you know? So you're not going to find the farmer robbing the liquor store. You'll find the farmer robbing Wall Street for millions of dollars or a farmer that's the head of a major corporation that takes out all of the profits that the company's made to pay themselves. You, you could look at you could look at what's happened in the last 50 years in terms of wages. Wages for people working have gone up, you know, a little bit. Wages for CEOs, people at the top, have gone up thousands of percent. You know, it's it's not unheard of to hear somebody, and I can get the, the names of these companies are easy to look up, but you know, that, that makes hundreds of millions of dollars, and yet they have a hard time paying their employees minimum wage you know i mean isn't that wrong? it's you like know, why do they need the extra little squeeze on the the people below you you know you don't would, would paying everybody like two dollars more even make a difference but it's like mm -hmm. see hunters aren't gonna hunters don't end up managing a, a, or the ceo of a of major corporations usually they start the company hunters start it and then they get bored i can't tell you how many companies i've started and I get bored. I left Wall Street when I was, I had one of my best years ever back in the 70s. I was making $40,000 a month. And I got bored. Well, it wasn't so much that I got bored. I had no support about what I was doing. The, the farmer um, boss, or he was the regional manager, they, he told me, he asked me if I was just a flash in the pan because he couldn't understand how I could start and build a business so big so quickly. And, and he basically was on, on me to make more and it just made it uncomfortable when I quit. I just like, this is not fun. If it's not fun, it's not creating dopamine. If it doesn't create dopamine, I'm not going to do it. So I've had the years of experience to find out what work, how, I, how to run my own brain. And that's what we want this podcast to leave people with, tools to help run your own brain. Yeah. So in summary, we, you know, the first one we covered the idea of the hunter-farmer thinking, hunter thinking and farmer thinking, which has nothing to do with farming. Yeah. And, and divergent and convergent thinking, which also let farmers are convergent thinkers, hunters are divergent thinkers. And this is why when, uh, like you said, when you go to take a multiple choice test, it could be any one of those. And yet the convergent. You could think of a creative way to make it any answer, honestly. 
Yeah. I mean, for a lot of them, not for all of them, but for, you know. So that's kind of my summary of what we did. And then next time we'll talk about this list of traits that um, I'll, I'll prove to you. Everything that we're going to do, we're going to prove to you in a logical way. It's not like you have to go look it up. It's we're going to make it so that in your mind, you'll go like, that makes complete sense because it's happened to me or it's happened, you know, it's happened to us. Yeah. And that's the way uh, ADHD dyslexic people think, you know? Yeah. And so anything on you want to end with? No. Other than that, no. I, I think because of all your experiences and stuff, I think that's an invaluable perspective, especially like I kind of feel like I'm also in the audience perspective where I'm like somebody just starting out trying to get well, into all this stuff. And this is how it started. This is how we came up with this idea. I've been coaching you about yeah. your writing and, and, you know, things like that. And and I can't help but when I talk about this, that those terms come up. And then we just thought, wow, yeah. if you're having struggles with it. And I had struggles with it. Everybody is. Because even though teachers know that somebody is, um, uh, they, they, they don't understand dyslexia, but they know about it. Um, the, the way that the school system is set up is you get money by having the highest rankings. And you get rankings by having the highest scores. Well, if you've got special ed kids or special kids with needs, that's going to lower your scores. So they're not really interested in that. It, yeah. It, it just that's just the bottom line. You know, it's the parents have to go out and find um, coaches and find because Tutors and, and, and unfortunately, they don't if they unless they watch our dogcast. Unless they listen, you know, read about it, if they they're gonna think their kid's dumb or there's something wrong with him. And yeah, I mean, I definitely not. did when I was a kid. I thought I was yeah. stupid because I'm in the special ed class and you know I want to get some people like Steven Spielberg that are major, 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 you know, people that have just discovered that they're dyslexic. You know, they've known yeah. their whole life, but they sort of come out of the closet. We call it the We'd dyslexic. all be all be too lucky to get them on the podcast. Yeah, well think yeah, about all these creative you know, yeah. um, there's a they call they call MIT uh, the dyslexic school because there's so many so many just dis- there's a there's a whole like um, it's like once one has made it in they tell the other guys how to how to get in you know and yeah. so they've come up they've got a whole there's a kind of a room was it like a tagline that you know if you're a smart dyslexic MIT is where you want to go and that sounds like when I was a kid, oh my God, MIT is up here and I'm dog shit down here on the bottom. But if you saw, the, it'd be great if we could interview, you know, we want to do interviews of yeah. people like the Spielbergs and people like yeah. MIT students that are dyslexic and ask them, you know, yeah. how, how to also make- like small time people. I want to get like a bunch of, I don't know, just like minds that, creative minds that are like getting into things. And I know your daughter is one of them. And I really wanted to get my fiance on here because well, he's not I... trying to do anything big. But we met in our special ed class because he's ADD. Oh my gosh. You know? That's perfect. So, we met. Yeah. What a great title yeah. for a book. We met in special ed. I'm yeah. serious. It's in, like... in, in Bart class, it's great. But he's, he's brilliant. He's brilliant, not according to the farmer way, but he's our 
DM of our DMD group, which means mm-hmm. he's all the he does all the special voices and all makes all the stories and he's probably sitting behind this screen right now making a whole big map for our whatever worlds but it's like if a farmer was going to play D&D they they buy the pre-made book and they buy the whatever and they tell you okay i don't know what you're talking about remember i'm older yeah. D&D. Oh, D- dungeons and dragons oh dungeons and dragons yeah Sorry. but dungeons and dragons comes with a pre-made story pamphlet mm-hmm. that you just go and you do whatever but like he was inspired by matt mercer and so he makes his whole own little world and his whole he does all these weird voices and th- shit you wouldn't think Hunter, of Hunter, yeah Hunter brain. it's like people with thinking like that it just i don't know we need we need a ton of people like that just all the yeah. time bringing them on and we interrogate will. all the questions out yeah, of we'll them interrogate. So we'll enter- we'll make them entertain tell. everybody in the, in the future, we're also going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, which people do not want to talk about, and there's there's nothing in our culture written about it too much. There's a few things uh, John Bradshaw wrote about shame. Shame is one of the things that will stop hunters in their tracks, stop anybody in their tracks. Yeah. And you get made fun of enough in school, you get put back in the third grade. You know, all of these create shame, shame, shame. And one of the things that shame, shame is called the master emotion. Shame is the self judging the self. I am stupid. Well, if I'm stupid, I don't have much confidence. If I have no confidence, I'm not going to try anything. Yeah. I'll go rob Why a try if you'll fail? Because you're I'll, stupid. I'll, I'll, I'll just go rob say that you can't do anything. Yeah. So that's a subject. Again, we'll, we'll talk about that in future times. We'll try to take little pieces of it so it won't. Uh, we won't jam it all down with somebody's throat, but this is, for me, this is 40 years of research. I've literally, in order to survive, valuable. I've had to, I mean, I have written all, like 50 books and screenplays and maybe a, close, maybe a thousand magazine articles, all published. Well, they're not published because they were like the, the most perfectly written. They were published because I have a game plan for how to get them published. I'm not afraid, you know, to to say here you know here's something yeah. here's an idea and and oh and the reason why people have difficulty um see it's it's a catch-22 if you're creative and smart you can think of all these ideas but guess who are the publishers and the editors farmer thinkers yeah the farmers and i love them they're great people we need them to correct our spelling and make sure that you know the eyes are crossed <laughs> dotted whatever <laughs> i cross my eyes dot yeah my eyes, you know it's better that way honestly they just one, one time i had this the this was the son of one of my editors the one time i had five editors working for me almost round the clock because i was writing i was averaging i only started writing late in life i didn't start I didn't even know I could be a writer. It was like 43 or 44, something like that. And I wrote my mm. first book. But I would have these editors. Uh, I, I was I was doing like, um, uh, I was averaging three to five books a year for a, a long, to get to 50 books. I mean, I, and they were yeah. all 300 page books and I'd have to write them two or three times because yeah. I'm dyslexic, you know, they'd miss, you know. And if you read my longhand, you'd go like, oh, my God. So I had to devise all kinds of ways to get my words down. And, and I had to have help from my farmer crew. 
that would help me, you know. But we'll, that'll be another topic for another time. Yeah. Also, I want to talk about, because I love the what you were saying before, that we're very, we're like dopamine addicts, right? Mm-hmm. And I think what really holds creative people back and hunter brains back is when there's not something dopamine related in what you're doing. And I feel like, because you've been in a funk right now with your writing, like, and I've been in a funk for like. Well, it's also the pandemic yeah. causing yeah. the funk. But I also feel like, I don't know, getting, if you want to do something like, almost like a, if you want to write like a hunter brain, and, but writing's kind of a farmer activity in itself, but yeah. not at the same time. I want to talk about like finding the dopamine in that and like yeah, we will. how how to get people excited for those Well, here's things. one of the dangers, and here's one of the things you'll find almost all writers are addicted to cigarettes. Cigarettes create dopamine, you know. I mean, the cigarettes don't create dopamine. Nicotine creates dopamine, yeah. you know. So um, you won't find a lot of writers are smoking weed. That's not that's not a real function of the hunter brain. Now there's uh, there's hunters that'll smoke weed because they get too many ideas and it calms them down. So they do that for a different reason. But but the, like but if you don't want to do anything all day. Yeah, but the hunter brain wants stimulation, and that's what you meant by dopamine. So we'll also hopefully find out some ways to find your own patch of dopamine and how to keep it coming in without taking drugs or you know anything like that. Um, also, like, not letting shame scare you off from things, yeah. too. Here's what dopamine... Topics. I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. No, I keep interrupting you, too. Don't feel bad. Okay. That's part so, of being ADHD, everybody, is you interrupt all the time. You can't help yeah. yourself. It's hilarious and sad. It's hilarious. You'll have no friends. Here's when I, I... I used to... I'd have these glimpses. I knew nothing about the stuff that we're talking about growing up. Nothing at all. And I was in the Army. And I remember I was, I was in the paratroopers. I joined the paratroopers. You jump out of airplanes, right? And I'm, we're That's flying fine. up, flying up and flying. And I am completely scared to death, scared of heights, you know? And my, my thoughts are all inward. And, but as I'm going up, it's, it's, I mean, you talk about dopamine thinking about what you're going to do, but it was like very scary. And I, and I got to the door and it was, I was one, they call it a stick. So there's 12 guys in a stick or whatever. And I was one of the first ones to jump out of the plane. And I stood in that door and there's been episodes where jump masters have had to kick the guy out the door. That's the farmer. They had to kick him out because he's literally yeah. paralyzed in fear. Does he drop to his death? I, what happens huh? to those, what, what happens to those guys? You gotta well, they gotta, the they've got a, they've got a static line and it automatically opens. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> But I jumped out and I noticed at the minute that I jumped out, my world changed. My thinking became absolutely crystal clear because what happens in the paratroopers is if you jump out and you have a malfunction of your parachute, you've got to get rid of your main chute and go to your reserve chute. There's a lot of, you know, and you're thinking all the time going, well, I remember to pull my cord. Well, I remember to do this. Where, well, I remember to, you know, well, am I going to screw up? Am I going to spin? Am I going to, what, all this stuff's going on. As soon as I was out in the air, and later on, when I be, I did sports jumping, where you go up and, you know, after, not in the military, but just you go out skydiving is what it's called. I would go out and hang on the strut of the plane and laugh. And it was just like, I could care less. Oh, this is like so fun. And I would like, 
<laughs> one hand, and I would just like wave. Oh my god! See you later, you know, and float down. That's the that was my. No, I can't do that every day. Yeah. But when I want like a massive load of dopamine, and then you're excited, and then you're motivated, and you come back, and blah, 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 blah. and that's one of my best examples of being on full on dopamine high. You know. Yeah. Oh my god, that I can't. I so did it completely remove your fear of heights? No, I'm still no, I, really. It, I go up on a building and I get nervous. You know, I'm absolutely it. terrified of high places. I sh I I will. My legs will just not keep going. I, I probably I'll, should say. I'm, oh, all right. I I probably shouldn't say I have a fear of heights because it was an army ranger. I mean, I had to jump yeah. out of helicopters and I had to. Yeah. But I think of heights like going to the moon you know like oh yeah that's high that's a high height yeah that's a high then high. i'd be a little bit nervous but i'd still yeah <laughs> you'd probably anyway. jump it out honestly with parachute from here to the moon fine <laughs> yeah you'd pretty much die nah what is burning up in the yeah. re-entering the atmosphere that's just i don't know i shouldn't i shouldn't discount that i mean i think the highest that anybody's ever jumped is like 60,000 feet. Yeah, they have oxygen on and all that, but you know, who knows? Maybe yeah. someday they'll parachute from the moon. Who knows? Anyway, we need to wrap this up because we're going to start boring people with this stuff. And yeah, we want them don't to come worry back. too much, so, though. A lot of podcasts are boring. very, very long. Oh, yeah. Well, this one, I want this to be jam packed with helpful hints. So here's the helpful hint look for things in your environment that create dopamine. You know, that aren't painful. Yeah. Um, Hopefully not jumping out of a plane, a little dangerous. Oh, that's okay. That creates dopamine. Don't okay. Just yeah. count it. Audience, jump out of a plane. You're in a rut. Actually, yeah. If you're in a rut, you want to get out of a rut, yeah. jump out of a plane. And I'm telling you, the rut ends right now. With a parachute or without a parachute? No, with a parachute. Yeah. Oh, okay. But now they do the sissy <laughs> thing. Where they make they have a tandem thing, but I guess it's okay. But you know, you're, there's thing. some guys on your back. I mean, that's like baby. Babies baby. have a guy on their back to help them with their parachute. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, look for look for ways to create that create dopamine in your environment, and think about things in your life that have created dopamine, and when you were most successful. That's a great takeaway. Yeah. Also, Change. the when you finally get out of a plane and your brain just shuts off and you know what to do, like, I think no, that's another helpful tip. Just let your brain kind of shut off and do what you're going to do. Your hunter brain, you know, that's how you work. When you jump out of a plane, your brain doesn't shut off. Here's No, what... I mean, I mean, like, you're not thinking about, I, I don't, you, you I, don't not... mean, I don't mean that. Like, you're not thinking about, like, yourself, about your yeah, life, about, and about the height, about the whatever, like, let yourself yeah. go to that other mindset, not like, and and not, not try to block it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I, I wanted to go into <laughs> and explain the whole psychology, which we did last time about what happens in the brain when, when it gets the dopamine, it allows the prefrontal cortex to think in, in, in a classical sense. One of the reasons why, one of the reasons why, especially a lot of boys, when they have to take a test that's called important, like a test to get into, like to get into college or a test to graduate, or you know what the midterm or final, they'll 
their brain will shut down. Like I, my brain used to shut down and I would act, I'd be reading the same question over and over again. You know, my brain was working perfectly correct, correct for the hunter brain. It had shut down and gone into the flight or fight, which is not in the prefrontal cortex. It's below, it's that part of the brain that's below it. Um, the thymus, I guess it is, is what it's called. Well, there's no memory there. So how could I remember my test questions? What that goes into flight or fight is it, it, all the blood rushes from your brain, which has a lot of blood in it when you're thinking, to the extremities so you can run. In other words, if I say that this test is the most important test I've ever taken, it's also saying there's a saber-toothed tiger over there coming at me. Danger, danger. You're going to have so, to go touch it. Yeah. yeah. You write on, you're going to have to go interact with that. Yeah. I have coded my, and a lot of kids do, mm -hmm. test taking with danger, fight or flight, boom. Yeah. Not till I understood that was I able, now I take a test and I relax, I, I, things that I, I do to relax so that I don't slip into that um, fight or flight syndrome. Anyway, that, enough of that. Let's yeah. end this right now. Oh, yeah. We keep saying that, but we. <laughs> that's fault. also part of the dog cast, ADHD, oh. all over the place. No, we can't end we can, it. We can't end it. Yeah, we'll just keep going on just and on. Going. And on. It'll be like the next day, and we'll still be dog casting. Oh, my God. Where did these. Oh, wait. I'll ask you afterwards. <laughs> gonna... Frozen okay. Spring. So yeah. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Dog excuse. Always late of waiting, totally rude.